I want you to listen closely tonight, just a, a moment, to a very brief verse. A verse that we oftentimes look at around Easter. But I was thinking this week about what all of us should be the most grateful for. And that's the redemption that we have in Christ. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, he says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. I want you to think closely about that verse there. The righteous for the unrighteous, or as your translation may say, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Folks, what is the gospel? What is the heart of the gospel? You know, though rare, sometimes misunderstandings can be quite deadly. Private Eddie Slovic served in World War II. He was the first American executed for desertion since the Civil War. He freely and unabashedly admitted fleeing the battle line, hoping that if he did so, the army would reassign him to a less dangerous area. Instead, he was court-martialed and sentenced to die. Now, apparently the army had no intention of actually carrying out that sentence. Its main purpose was simply to punish him and make an example out of him. However, through a series of misunderstandings, Eddie Slovic was indeed executed. He was shot by a firing squad in France on the morning of January the 31st, 1945. Now, admittedly, as I mentioned, misunderstandings in the world are seldom so dangerous as that or deadly as that. Usually, misunderstandings are nothing more than an inconvenience. But not so with the gospel of Jesus Christ. To misunderstand the gospel of Jesus Christ is indeed deadly, not only Deadly on this earth, but eternally deadly. No wonder the Apostle Paul was so insistent to the Galatians that if anybody came preaching another gospel that was not the gospel of Christ, he said, let them be anathema. Folks, the stakes are just too high. Now, when we talk about the gospel... And we see what's involved in the gospel and how some people misunderstand it. A lot of times people understand the gospel as simply meaning love your neighbor as yourself. Go around the world and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, that's the gospel. No, it's not. Now that's the Christian ethic that grows out of the gospel. We should love our neighbor as ourselves and even our enemies because of what Christ has done for us. 
But again, that's the ethic that grows out of the gospel. That's not the gospel itself. Likewise, the gospel is not going around the world and fighting world hunger or building hospitals or orphanages or whatever. Are those things important to do? Absolutely. But again, we do those things because we are Christians. Those aren't a substitute for the gospel. It's important to understand what the gospel is. The world misunderstands. Tragically, even those in the church oftentimes misunderstand. So what is the gospel? What is the heart of the gospel? That's what the Apostle Peter is speaking of here. I want you to notice with me, he points out that first of all, Jesus' death was exceptional. The just died for the unjust. Now we know that Christ died as a relatively young man. Now other than the fact that he died as a young man... There's nothing unusual about the statement in and of itself that he died. We're acquainted with death. People die all the time. Just get a newspaper tomorrow morning and there'll be a section in it entitled the what? The obituaries. People die all the time. Hebrews 9, 27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. If Jesus tarries, we're all going to die. And usually not a great deal is recorded about somebody's death. But you know, when you come to the gospel accounts, about a third of the gospel narrative is devoted to the death of the Lord Jesus. Clearly his death was no ordinary death. There's something very, very unique about it. It was an exceptional death. Everything about his life was exceptional. His birth was exceptional. Born of a virgin. His life was exceptional. He lived a sinless life. The only person who's ever done that. And his death was different than any other death. What's Peter say again? He says at the beginning of verse 18, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust. His death was exceptional as it relates to sin. You'll never understand The death of Jesus until you understand its relationship to sin. Sin brings death. Remember what God said to Adam? By the sweat of your uh, face you'll eat bread till you return to the ground. Because from it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return. Adam and Eve died. They died physically. They also died spiritually. Why? Because of sin. We die for the same reason. Paul in Romans 5 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Now that brings up an interesting question. Why did Jesus die? Because he was without sin. Well, 
His death was exceptional because while being ordained by God, it was voluntary before men. His death was a paradox. He had to die, but he didn't have to die. Now understand what I mean by that. It was in the plan of God. The Bible says he was crucified before the foundation of the world. And so in that sense, he had to die. It was the ordained plan of God. It was the ordained will of God. But in relationship to sin, he wouldn't have had to have died. Otherwise, why? Because he was sinless. He died a voluntary death. A sacrificial death. He laid down his life. Remember what he said in the gospel of John? No one takes my life from me. I give it. He voluntarily laid it down. Matthew 16, 21 says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. His death was exceptional. His death was an exchange, secondly. An exchange. What's Peter say here? The just died for who? The unjust. That's you and me. The just died for the unjust. It was substitutionary in nature. Jesus didn't simply die as a martyr for a good cause. That happens all the time. He also didn't die just to give us a good example. Now true, his death is an example. He said, greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. But that's not the real reason Jesus died. Why did he die? Because God is a holy God. If you had to narrow down the description of God to one word, I can't think of a word any better than holy. God is a holy God. Because He's a holy God, sin must be punished. If God just winked at sin, if God just carelessly dismissed it, He wouldn't be a holy God. God will punish sin. And all through the Bible we see God punishing sin through an exchange, a substitution. We see it in the Old Testament, don't we? All through the Old Testament, there at the... At the uh, Passover, when, when God established the Passover, Exodus chapter 12, he, he said that, that he would see the blood on the doorpost and the death angel would pass over that household. And then the rest of the sacrificial system in the Old Testament was, was what? It was a substitution for sin that the people's sin might be atoned for and that it might be covered. We see that in the New Testament. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, it says, John the Baptist said, remember how he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Christ is the one all of those Old Testament sacrifices pointed forward to. 
All of those sacrifices were a picture of what God was going to do one day in Christ. And so when Jesus appeared and his disciples saw him and John the Baptist saw him, he pointed at him and he said what? There he is. There he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Either you will bear your sin before God or Christ will bear your sin before God. Which way do you want it? Do you want to stand before God trying to bear your own sin or do you want Christ to bear your sin? If you bear your own sin, guess what? It's hell. You'll spend eternity in hell. But Christ bears your sin and my sin that we might have eternal life. Exchange. And then thirdly and quickly, I want to point out his death was effective. Notice what Peter goes on to say. That he might bring us to God. That he might bring us to God. The just died for the unjust. That he might bring us to God. Peter uses a very important word there in the New Testament. It's the word prosago. It's a technical term. It's a word that is used of someone when they they introduce you. They're a mediator and they introduce you to somebody very important. If you want to go to the White House and go into the Oval Office, what do you have to have? You have to have a prosago. You would have to have someone to take you there. You don't just walk in and walk into the Oval Office and see the president. Somebody has to take you. Well, if that's true of world leaders, how much truer is it of God? You don't just go into God's presence the way you are. Someone has to take you and that someone is none other than Jesus Christ. And that's why the apostles preached Jesus. That's why in Acts chapter 4 when they were told to shut up and quit preaching Jesus they refused to be quiet because they said what? There's salvation in no one else. There is no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus said I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He's our prosago. He's our mediator. He's our introducer to God. Because he died on the cross in our place and he, and he took our sin upon himself and died as our sin substitute and then God raised him from the dead on the third day and he ascended to the Father. He went through the veil, so to speak, into the Holy of Holies. It's through him, the writer of Hebrews says, that we're able to go into the presence of God. He's the one who makes it possible. He's the one who takes us. Now folks, this Thanksgiving... 
If you can't be grateful for that, there's nothing else by way of comparison that that even comes close to that. The fact that on your own and me on my own are helpless and hopeless. We would have no eternity in heaven. When we read the great descriptions of heaven in the Bible and we talk about all the glorious sights that we're going to see and, we're gonna, and, and we talk about we, we, shall, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. When we, when we read all of those wonderful descriptions, Paul says it's going to be better than eye has seen, better than ear has heard, better than anything that's even entered into our minds. When, when we think Think about all that. It would not be possible without Jesus Christ. It's only because of Christ. So grateful? You bet. You bet. Because without Him, we would have nothing ultimately to be grateful for. We would have no hope. No future. No forgiveness of sin. No eternal life. No heaven. It'd only be death and hell and despair. I want to ask you tonight, do you know Christ? Have you misunderstood the gospel and made the gospel something else? Besides Christ. Some things are too important to misunderstand. And that's certainly at the top of the list. Don't misunderstand the gospel. The gospel is Jesus. You only come to God through Him. He's the only way. The only way. The scripture says there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof leads to death. Any other way besides Christ leads to death. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, as we come to your table tonight, we thank you for what you have done for us through your Son. Lord, that you allow, that you ordain a substitution for sin. Lord, I pray for those here tonight. I may be speaking to somebody in this very room tonight that they're thinking there's some other way that they can make it to heaven. They're banking on something else. And I pray, God, that you would open their eyes tonight that there is no other way other than Jesus. Lord, for those of us who have experienced new life in Christ, we thank you for the new life in Him that that we have. 
Lord, as we think this week about all the manifold blessings that we have in you. Lord, there's nothing greater than what you've done for us in Christ. Because as Jesus said, if we were to gain the whole world, if we had everything else in the world and yet lost our very own soul, life would be in vain. Life would be pointless. Lord, I pray for that one here tonight who needs Christ. That they would not misunderstand the gospel. The gospel is a person. The Lord Jesus. Your son. The second member of the Godhead. The son of God and God the son. Who died for them on the cross. And was raised on the third day. Ascended to the father. And one day is coming back for his bride. Lord, I pray that they would come to Christ tonight. That in their heart tonight, they would say, Father, what you did at Calvary's cross, I understand now you did for me. Christ, come into my life. Save me. Forgive me. And live your life through me. And God, for all of your people here tonight, I pray that we would say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for doing for us what we could have never done for ourselves. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.